Good morning. It is good to be here and good to be with all of you. Uh, Patrick called me this week and said they'd had some COVID exposure and so asked me if I would speak and uh, happy to do that. Uh, just uh, welcome all of you and welcome anybody that's a guest this morning, whether it's just your first time or you've been here uh, just a number of times. We're really thrilled you're here uh, as we praise God together and trying to walk with Jesus and learn from him and uh, just grateful for all that. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on here uh, and many of them are behind the scenes and so I try to sort of uh, highlight some of those. Uh, I'm really thrilled that we're doing the staff is kind of coordinating and then the ministry leaders are talking about uh, different aspects, different ministries that are going on <clears throat> uh, behind the scenes. I think those are just phenomenal. And uh, one of them that maybe kind of goes unnoticed but is super important, uh, and that's the finance committee. Now, now that now may not sound very romantic or exciting, <laughs> might not even sound very spiritual, but uh, I'm I guarantee you that it is super important. Uh, Philip uh, Thompson and Lane Match and Todd Fraser on that committee. And this past week, uh, uh, Phil came and gave us a presentation and it was just very concise and understandable. And I just thought, wow, it's so great to have uh, people like these that are taking care of these kind of matters. And uh, I don't have to worry about it, but I know it's really being well done. And, and plus they play well together. Isn't that great? It's just great when Christians play well together, and I, I really like that a lot. Uh, also, the prayer ministry that Tina Countryman is facilitating is just, uh, I've been a part of that on Wednesday nights. And uh, Tina, and, and of course, if you know her, you know this, but just, uh, I mean, I know her fairly well, and yet I'm just kind of astounded being around her because she is so intuitive about God and so intuitive about people. And it's, it's uh, well, I don't know how to quantify or put a rating on these, but so just take it for whatever it is. It's probably one of the best prayer groups I've been, even the ones I've tried to lead. So uh, uh, it's phenomenal. I just wanted to point that out. And many more, but it uh, could be said, but I wanted to highlight those too. Patrick has been preaching a series on the Holy Spirit for a number of months, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just thankful for what he's doing and it requires both a lot of courage to try to speak about a challenging subject like this uh, because we have different opinions about some of the details. Uh, but he's also very thoughtful and cautious and understanding, and, and he does a great job balancing all of that. Uh, this morning, I thought I'd, I would continue in that series and share some of my experiences and then also some biblical principles that the way I kind of view all this and how it kind of works out for me. I wanted to begin with a couple of qualifications. First of all, uh, I've just come to realize and appreciate that not everyone's discernment of the Spirit's work in their life is equal. Uh, I have a dear, close friend that if I had a way of evaluating it, I just think he's you know, like 10 times more spiritual than I am. But uh, he, he has more of a view of God involved in kind of almost every moment. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit more of, well, I'm a bit more circumspect <laughs> about all that sort of thing. But um, it, it just says that, that it can be different among us. And I think that's, that's okay and, and even good, I think. 
that in the body of Christ we can help advise and counsel and share wisdom with one another in this walk in the Spirit. Uh, secondly, uh, in my experience, it's not always easy to absolutely be certain about what God is doing in an event or circumstance, or even telling me. <laughs> Let me give you a couple examples. So I've had seasons when uh, I've really been intent on trying to be discerning about what the Spirit is doing and telling me. And so I'm just thinking, I'm just not doing this much. I'm really, and so, you know, for a few months, and so uh, during one of these seasons when I was in York, Nebraska, I lived like five minutes from my church office. So I'm driving to work, and uh, one, of my, my son's, uh, one of my son's good friend's father was out in his yard mowing the lawn. And uh, I'm thinking, hmm, I, I had this thought, I should go stop and visit him. And I'm thinking, no, that would be stupid. I'm on my way to work, and I need to be there on time like anybody's really checking what the minister does, you know, right? Oh, I shouldn't let that out. But anyway, uh, but I think, no, and plus guys don't do that. You know, that's just, that's just lame. Um, and then I think, no, I should do that. So I drive around the block, I park, I go up there, and he stops. We, we know each other, and we've chatted because our boys play basketball together and all these sort of things. And we're talking, he says, uh, I ask, how you doing? He says, well... I got fired this week. I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. And so, you know, able to chat about that, and I just felt, boy, this is, I'm, I'm on track here. Uh, about a week later, I drove to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I think probably visit somebody in the hospital. I don't remember the occasion. But then in the afternoon, I'm on my way home, and I, I have this thought, I need, to, I need to go see my old football coach. And, but, but now I'm on the west end of Lincoln. He lives on the east end of Lincoln. It's going to take 45 minutes because there's no good way of getting, you know, there's no good loop in Lincoln. And so I think, oh, man, I don't know. what I don't know. That, then I'd waste the whole afternoon probably. And then I thought, but I don't have anything pressing either. So I turn around. I go back. And I get there about 2 in the afternoon. And guess what? He's taking a late lunch. And I'm thinking, well, what was that all about? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, maybe there was a traffic accident. You'd have been killed if you'd have went on. So, I, you know, I, my point is, I, I, does that make sense? I mean, sometimes I don't always know. It it's not, doesn't always work out really slick is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> for, for any of you that think I get confused. So I, I'm just one that it's not always clear to me. In fact, sometimes over the years, uh, and, and I've, I, I mean, I, I've received so many answers to prayers over the years, just, and weekly, uh, but sometimes there is something I would really like to be clear about. Maybe it's a doctrinal issue, maybe it's where to take a job, and I pray and pray and pray, and it feels like I get nothing for an answer. And that all I'm trying to say in this is that it's not always precise and kind of a program and God works it out in ways in which we just always, always kind of know. And it's that way in the Bible, too. You, this might surprise you, but I would encourage you to just read through the Bible and see. So just read through Acts and even with the apostles and Galatians. It's, it's not always absolutely, totally clear to them 
or circumstances change in which sometimes they do one thing at one point and then later they come back and do something else differently and i'm just going that makes no sense to me now so what that happened so for example uh, the letter to philemon paul has written this letter to philemon philemon has had a slave the slave has run away has come to rome found paul in prison don't know how all that happened god probably uh, at least paul's going to say that and then and then uh, Onesimus becomes a Christian and now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon and he writes this very diplomatic letter but there's this verse verse 15 that has just struck me perhaps the reason he was separated Onesimus from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good no longer as a slave better than a slave a dear brother now maybe Paul, I think Paul uses a lot of diplomacy here, but it just struck me that Paul says, perhaps. And do you know what perhaps the Greek word that's translated that way really means? Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that's about as good as my Greek is. Uh, and so, but, and I don't want to build a whole, you know, structure around this, but it's interesting to me that an apostle filled with the Holy Spirit couches his language at least once. And so maybe there's sometimes I ought to be a bit circumspect about saying exactly what God's doing in a particular moment. That's kind of what all I'm trying to say. So for me, uh, in order to not have some peace and not go crazy trying to figure out every detail in life, I am also trying to operate by principles that influence me in which I try and follow God's leading. And I wanted to share those with you this morning. First of all, a primary work of the Holy Spirit is to make people holy. That would kind of follow, right? The Holy Spirit wants to make people holy, separated under God, different than the culture, and to produce the life of Jesus in individuals and churches. So, for example, John chapter 16, Jesus speaking to his disciples about going away, and he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. And here's what I wanted you to hear. He will glorify me. So, and then in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, and we know all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we know that verse. But then it continues to go on. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So a primary work of the Holy Spirit is to transform our lives into the likeness of Christ. And we find that over emphasis over and over again in the New Testament. Secondly, there's a close connection between the work of the Spirit and prayer and the message of God's work in Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll, as we go through this, to just watch the interplay of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, 
to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, peace and grace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it follows all these tremendous blessings that God is bringing about through Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his, God the Father's sight. In love he, <coughs> the Father, predestined us with adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with the Father's pleasure and will to the praise of God's glory, glorious grace, which he, the Father, has freely given us in the one, that would be Jesus, he loves. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, God's will, according to God's good and pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To put in effect, when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In the Son we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, the Father, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now that's a lot, a long text, but there is just, you could take just one blessing and preach one, about that one sermon and have a whole series on that. Paul is just packing this in. But the point I want to make about all that is there is this, this close work of the Spirit and the Father and prayer in all of this and that, that where there is a focus on what God has done and is doing and will do in Christ, the Spirit is bringing about change. It's just, it's, it, it's like it's kind of behind the scenes. It's kind of like the wind, isn't it? And you don't quite know how it's happening. Except you know that when there's this kind of focus that people are changing and becoming different. And then thirdly, Christians and churches flourish when there is emphasis on the love of Christ. In his second prayer, chapter 3, verse 14, and just, just listen to what Paul is trying to say and get focused on and what he wants the Ephesians to get uh, clear on and, and to have just emphasis on. For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every heaven in family, heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, there he goes back to all these blessings again. What all Christ has in the heavens, that he says he will bring and strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. 
and you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You just cannot quite get a hold of it. It is so enormous and huge and outrageous that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. When people begin to believe, really believe the love Christ has for them, if you really begin as you begin to get it, it's difficult not to change. It's difficult not to be transformed by that kind of love. That is why whatever people are beginning experience in life, uh, whatever challenge, I, I want at some point, pretty quickly, to have a, at least a small discussion pointing them to how much Christ loves them. And that all won't always fix the immediate problem they're facing, like paying the rent or coping with cancer. But listen, this is the beginning of life. To know the love of Christ and to be filled with the fullness of God. And I think we can endure almost anything, maybe anything, if we are certain that the God of the universe loves us and one day all will be made well. That this world is not all. And then fourth, the Spirit leads in counterintuitive ways against the grain of the culture and in surprising down-to-earth ways. Uh, now, from chapter 3, you have this kind of really high point about being filled with the fullness of God. And uh, if I didn't know what's coming, if you didn't know what's coming, you might wonder. Well, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's exciting, right? I mean, that's, he talks about power at least twice and then about glory and all this kind of thing. Now, what would that look like in the church in Ephesus for individual Christians? I mean, wouldn't that mean that they would be living this super glorious, victorious life, free from all care and appreciated by all? Would it mean that the church would be respected in the Roman Empire and be as honored as the temple of Artemis? You, you've got Christians and slaves and and people from the lower echelons of the economy and on top of a hill in Ephesus you have one of the seven wonders of the world. I mean it is spectacular and the Roman Empire is a dominating army and influence through all the Mediterranean world. What would it look like for people, ordinary Christians, to live in that kind of world? How, how, do, how do Christians push against the stream of power and propaganda? Here's the strategy. Chapter 4, verse 1. Paul, as a prisoner for the Lord, that's interesting. <laughs> I'm just thinking, okay, you're full of the fullness of God and you're a prisoner. Get that? I mean, you're in chains. 
and you you know the love of Christ and it's just the best so he says I as a prisoner of the Lord then I'm urging you based on everything I've told you about all this glorious stuff to live a life worthy of it the calling you have received be completely humble glorious gentle be patient bearing with one another in love uh, in, in a section that's very similar to this in Colossians, Paul will say uh, not, he doesn't say, the way he says it is not forgive each other of your sins, which of course that's all through the Bible. <laughs> he says forgive one another annoyances. Oh, 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 that's uncomfortable. Have you found that there are people in this world that are annoying? I mean, they're just bunches of them, right? There are aggravating people. And I've heard there are aggravating people in the church, annoying people. And uh, that just gets me, you know, Paul says, bear with them in love. That's what it means to live this glorious life. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond and peace. And then this doctrinal, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And then in chapters 4 through 6, and this is included in 4, you have all these exhortations to this wonderful moral and ethical life and having a concern for others and husbands loving their wives and wives submitting to husbands and parents being kind to their children and 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 masters loving slaves and slaves loving masters and doing what's good for them and so in all of this there is just this this amazing way in which that that when the holy spirit is at work it produces lives that are concerned for the welfare of others and willing to take up a cross in order to bless others as you read through the gospels and and i notice especially in luke <coughs> that there is this there are summary statements about Jesus. Uh, he's doing all this, all this ministry and everything, and then, and then it comes this summary statement. And he went about healing and teaching. Healing and teaching. Healing and teaching. And when Peter, this is in Acts chapter 10, goes to speak to the household of Cornelius, he has this summary about Jesus' ministry, and just listen to this. Peter began to speak and said, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show any kind of favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And he says, you know the message. Hear that? Here's the message. God sent to the people of Israel. He announced the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the province of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Here you have the Father, Son, and Spirit together to begin. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, made him king with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. That's the mission of the church is doing good wherever we can, seeking creative ways to do that and helping people to be rescued into the hands of Jesus. How does this work? Well, I don't have an exact idea about all this, but some principles again. 
First of all, I think the work of the Spirit happens in us when we make conscious choices to be like Jesus that often rub against the grain of our own interests and even our own feelings. It is taking up a cross and dying to self. It involves the will and setting of the face. There's this passage Luke records as the last leg of Jesus' journey of this life, and it was he set his face towards Jerusalem. That's commitment. Do you know what Jerusalem is? It is the place where prophets die. And Jesus decided, I'm going. I'm going to do the Father's will. And I would suggest it doesn't always feel very spiritual. It often feels like death. At least that's the way it's felt to me sometimes when I've thought God wanted me to do something and uh, maybe to forgive, maybe to get along. And uh, I really didn't want to. Because you know there are a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other options other than forgiving <laughs> or loving people. But then secondly, there's this other dynamic that I think comes from the Spirit. And though the first one does too, it's just that it's more, uh, uh, I'm more aware of my own self in it. And it happens as we are genuinely less self-centered, genuinely more Christ-like, and our actions are more internally driven than externally uh, imposed. A uh, couple, for example, uh, I, I'm probably more left-brained than right, and and I'm probably more prophetic than uh, a pastor. At least that's kind of my defaults a bit. And so when I we lived in York, Nebraska, right on the interstate, and uh, and we got a lot of calls for help for people traveling on the interstate, and frankly, I dreaded them. I just dreaded them because I, I never felt good about what I did, whether I gave people money, then I thought like I'd been conned. If I didn't, I felt like I was a miser. And so I'd get these calls and I'd just, oh man. And, uh, but over time, I thought, Lord, you know, how, how, how would Jesus deal with this? And I got to the point where when I went, I was generally interested in the people, sat down, have a cup of coffee with them, ask them about their life try and help them a bit and all that sort of thing. Now that wasn't me. Have you had those? In which you're just better than you normally are. And, and I kind of think, where did that come from? <laughs> that was weird. Because that, that didn't feel like me. It felt different. Or uh, my family, and interestingly enough, uh, Irish, uh, I, I have Irish in me, so uh, I don't know if it's a deal we have or what, but you know, blame, blame anger problem management problems on being Irish, you know. I don't know what's up with that. Patrick doesn't seem to have that, but I don't know about him. Uh, but at any rate, uh, so, so I've got some of that in me, and I know that, and my parents really had short fuses, and so part of it is watching them. Part of it maybe, you know, I'm blaming on genes that were passed on. So I really have to watch this. And so I, I try and get, if I know I'm going to some meetings that are going to be difficult, you know, I read some in the Sermon on the Mount or read some in 2 Timothy, let the Lord's bond servant be gentle, don't be quarrelsome, you know, all this kind of stuff, get that in my head and all kinds of things. 
And then I get ready to bite my tongue and chew my tongue and just clamp down on it. And sometimes it feels like, not literally, I come home with a tongue that's pretty sore. Any of you, some of you can identify with that. But there are other times I've noticed as I've grown in the Lord where it seems like I'm not as upset. And I'm genuinely trying to listen about what is the pain underneath their anger and trying to sympathize and help and bless and encourage and turn the other cheek in a genuine kind of way. And again, I think, that wasn't Bruce. That was someone else. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in faith, I live by flesh in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to kind of tie a bow here, it's not a formula for life in the Spirit, but there is this focus that can come on the life when there is a, when the Spirit begins to work, when there is a focus on the life of Christ for guidance, a focus on the love of Christ for power, and a focus on the mission of Christ for clarity. Maybe some of that will help you. It's a, it's a wonderful journey, and I'm very thankful Patrick has been preaching uh, and to help us to understand and walk better in the Spirit. Let me say a prayer of blessing on you this morning, and with that, we'll be dismissed for fellowship, <laughs> if you can. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom is the glory forever and ever, and the church said, Amen. God be with you.